know you've missed us. We are a <laughs> podcast for young women and today you are joined by me, Anna. And me, Laura. And me, Alice. We have come together tonight to have a little chat about what we've seen happening in the world around us from ridiculous things to very, very profound. And we invite you to have a look into these things with us as we explore how Jesus makes a difference in these issues and how we make sense of them in light of our faith in him today. We are going to talk about Fashion Week, otherwise known as... Afterpay Australian Fashion Week. Yes, can't wait to talk about that. And exams, feedback, how we take on feedback. Can't wait for that chat. Um, But first... Fashion Week. Fashion Week. Fashion Week, I don't know if that's been in your feed, in your chats with your friends, whatever. One of the ways I most profoundly felt impacted by Fashion Week was that it took up all the parking near where I work. (laughs) And so I was like, all the like fashionistas... Um, either you know ubering around or um, parking their luxury cars that was what first alerted me that fashion week was happening but um, there has been heaps of stuff online about fashion week everyone's always processing on it there's a million photos of like who's best dressed however you judge best dressed to be Um, but it's interesting that it has such an important place in the like Sydney social calendar and so much money goes into it Uh, Anna you actually shared an article with us about um kind of people's shock and surprise at some of the content of fashion week this year saying that had gone beyond wearable but for me it made me think about how important is fashion anyway like is this really key for us why do we care so much about it does fashion mean a lot to who you are as a person Mm, that's such a great question and I just can't get the scene of the devil wears Prada out of my head where Miranda the fashion mogul is like everything that you wear has been influenced at some point by models and fashion and the industry and I think that's true of art like sometimes we can't put our finger on like where where we've been influenced from but so often cultures are built by those kinds of things and I think fashion is a part of that it's very visible and even though we're not wearing like haute couture things um most of the time I mean on the average (laughs) day (laughs) (laughs) I do think that um like maybe it trickles down in ways that we don't realize. And so I feel like as we have this conversation, just being aware of that's in the background, that we're not experts on fashion. And there's probably people who are like, oh, actually, um, yeah, what you wear does have a lot of impact in history and traceable roots oh, yeah, to fashion week. Oh, yeah, it's a cultural kind of story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I think that um, thing from Devil's Wear Prada is so interesting because my first reaction to your question was, I think it depends on your personality and your interests. Like I know some people who have worked in the fashion industry, someone who like ran a show at Fashion Week, some people who went to Fashion Week because they're invested and they really care about it. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's great for them that they're really like invested in it. Yeah. But maybe that's just not for the everyday kind of common man. I think more kind of personality, passion, interest. Is it your personality to be into fashion or not? But I think, I think it still feels important to me on a personal level because I still feel like this sounds so silly to say. Nah, say it. Um, But I feel like still like when I look around or see my friends, I appreciate cool things they're wearing and I'm like, I want to wear cool things too. Mm. Like maybe there's a more simple way to say that. But like, 
Does it ever become jealousy? Probably. Mm. Or just like a, okay, that's the thing. I'll just get one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> on Marketplace. <laughs> on Facebook Marketplace. Or however, you know, my way of finding it is. But I definitely think fashion influences me in that way. But like less runway fashion and more just peer fashion, I feel like is a big influence. Or things that I kind of see in the street more often, even not my like peers, but I'm like, Oh, like, yeah. Like I'm like, Oh, cargo pants, more a thing. (laughs) Cargo pants. I (laughs) I think that's because we're getting old enough to have things that were in fashion when we were younger, go out of fashion and then come back in fashion. Can't come back to some of these Just you wait. You'll be wearing cargo pants next season. Yeah. And that's what I really doubt myself because I am like, ew, no cargo pants could never. And then I'm like, will I get so influenced? And I'll be like, that's totally acceptable. They're comfy and airy and have zips. <laughs> I reckon you'll totally be that influence. Because I think about, I mean, all, you know, sort of like pro the goodness of fashion conversation about how it is a way to express yourself or to kind of put something that is inside you or sort of internal to how you see the world or see yourself. You can put that out for someone else to engage with and things like that. But there's such a strong um, force or current in it as well, where you just imitate other people, Mm. which is not the same as self-expression or it's a different version of Mm. self-expression. Which I think, I think it is self-expression, but as humans, we express ourselves in a group and yeah. so there's an element of wanting to be similar to people, but also have your uniqueness um, acknowledged. So I think they're connected that we never, we never are individuals on our own aside from other people. But it is interesting to watch pockets of groups of people. You look at, you know, people from different cultural backgrounds or people from um, in different life stages or whatever. And you can see common things that they're all wearing because I think it is a way of identifying with the group as well as establishing your style. But I think that is why it is self-expression expressed in a group because people who do self-express like me, who are just like, I'll just go with the flow. <laughs> no originality. It just means you're on trend. Um, Thank you. Yes. <laughs> or, or some people who actually feel like, oh, that's the common trend. I'm going to wear this that's like a bit alternative and that's their way of expressing. Mm -hmm. But then I wonder what makes people feel more confident. Like if you're like, oh, I've seen the general trend, but I'll do this a bit different. Is that like your way of feeling more confident? Whereas for me, I'm like, if I'm just wearing what everyone else is wearing, more confidence. Mm, because you blend in a little more yeah 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 Mm. I think that feels like the dark side of it to me where it becomes the basis or a basis for the security of belonging or Mm. um connection or something like that to be like it's beautiful when it's put something out there as an expression through which you can connect but the, the dark side of it is when it leads to exclusion or undermining someone's sense of self or mm, things insecurity. like that because it feels um, like a good thing but not an ultimate thing. Mm. I remember um, when I was in high school, one of my friends said to me, my goal in life is to never be seen in the same outfit twice. Just like it creates a lot. Well, I don't think that's a normal um, goal for people. <laughs> As an introvert, I'd be engineering that to be like, okay, each person in my life, I will see five times a <laughs> year. 
but it is a lot of pressure as well and I think can fuel insecurities um, because sometimes because it's an outward reflection you can feel like people are judging you by what you wear and then that becomes a standard that you're trying to live up to but I want to flip that kind of side of security because I do think there is something about clothes that do make us feel safe I heard something this week that talked about um the idea of a subway t-shirt did you hear that also oh yeah that like people uh girls particularly are wearing like nice clothes that they want to wear out in but might be a bit revealing in some ways and so when they're on the subway or the train in America they will put a big shirt to kind of cover what they wear so they they blend in more they're less seen And I'm like, that's an interesting, uh, I don't know if that's like a fashion trend, but that's an interesting kind of way where clothes are actually providing security in that like positive way of like they're keeping us safe or like shielding us from kind of the perspective of the world that's looking at us. Yeah, that feels way more complicated to me Mm. because of like what the threat is there and the tension between the other outfit that they're wearing that they want to be wearing Mm. and then what they feel like they have to wear Mm. in order to be potentially literally physically safe. Mm. Um, But I I wonder if that idea of what kind of clothes can provide for us is Mm. like more – yeah, more broadly to be able to reflect on and to be like, there is an element of comfort potentially. I think I just always am cautious about like the judgment that comes with it or that it skews into like elitism. It's, you know, there's a whole other kind of train of thought you can fuel, um, go down about capitalism and consumption mm-hmm. and stuff yeah, like totally. that as well. But thinking about it, I guess, kind of informed from the perspective of Christian faith, is fashion something that's useful or good or helpful to spend time and energy thinking about is it um is it bad or is it just neutral like where do you come um from on in that regard well i think that um there is something of god as provider that is reflected in the way that it's not only that we have clothes to wear to keep us warm or um, to make us feel comfortable or whatever it is, but also that there's a variety of clothes to choose from and fabrics and there's a real like intricacy in the design that means that clothes can be beautiful and they can express parts of your, per- of your personality. So I think um, clothes don't have to be bad, but I just can see the temptation that, um, yeah, there's so many other social things that it feeds into. And I think... When I think about clothes in the Bible, that that language of clothing yourself is often used as a metaphor for what the most important thing to be wearing is, Mm. like adorned with a beautiful kind of personality or a gentle spirit or putting on um, kind of the new identity that God's given you. And so there's a sense that actually clothes can't provide that deeper identity for you. But it is a powerful metaphor of um, how you express yourself to the world that um, God uses to show us, well, actually, let, let's point to the bigger things that are of more weight. Yeah. And how beautiful to be known less by like, oh, you wear cool clothes or alternative clothes or a bit weird clothes, to, but to be like, oh, like... I can't remember what she was wearing, but I know that she was someone who was gentle and compassionate and cared for people who were on the outside. Like that is a way cooler thing to be recognized by that. Mm. I like that. That's good. I mean, having said that, being real, I feel like I definitely have a tendency to be jealous of other people's clothes and to want, want them 
and to kind of covet them for myself. So I think in that way, <laughs> clothing does kind of reveal also the um, uglier side of who I am and that it's I'm not content to just appreciate beauty in someone else. I want it for myself and um, I feel resentful that I don't have it or even like, oh, my self-expression is being stifled right now because <laughs> I can't have that jumper that I wanted or whatever. So I think um, that's the ideal is to think about those deeper things. Mm. But I think it's also a human thing to um, – yeah get a bit caught up in what we look like Mm, yeah totally I agree but also even that idea of like wanting more like I Mm. definitely have enough clothes in my wardrobe to last probably the rest of my lifetime to wear without buying another thing but there's heaps more things I want more of Mm. that I think that's like that idea of contentment in what how many clothes I have Mm. and what I continue to want is like not just a like peace with God's provided me with everything that I need but I appreciate that you um yeah brought up that kind of idea of contentment because I think that enables us to hold the things together and to say can appreciate something that's beautiful that's good the kind of power in expression and not have to um, claim it for ourselves or have the kind of what's really um, at the core of who we are or how we want to relate to other people and consider them like us or different to us. It doesn't, it doesn't rest on that. And that enables us to appreciate um, the goodness of, you know, God being the one who brings about beauty and design mm. and creativity and that freedom whilst also saying it's not the only thing that he's given us to mm. kind of live out who we are. So I guess fashion week, no fashion week <laughs> can be a fun spectacle, can be thought provoking, but not the only way that we kind of find ourselves and Mm. connect to each other in that way. Mm. Well, another kind of topical thing at the moment for many people is it's exam season. Lots of people studying um, for exams at the moment. And um, it got us thinking a little bit during the week, what are the different ways that we respond to feedback? Because exams and assessments are kind of in a way an external Um, measure of how well you're doing Mm. and so I just wanted to ask you guys to start out with what are your feelings about feedback well I feel like I can sum up my feelings about feedback with a meme that (laughs) just kept coming up on my feed over the past couple of weeks which said um oh when I said I was open to feedback what I meant was yes you can pay me a compliment (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I can relate to that (laughs) I've always said I love feedback but That's I, true. And I often think that because I will welcome it, that I feel more mentally prepared. Like that meme, I'm a little bit like, yeah, okay, what's the feedback? I almost feel like opening that up, I like gear in to be like, all right, hit me. What's mm. the like, what's mm. the negative feedback? But then when you get a mix of positive and negative, you're like, oh, cool. That's mm. easier to swallow. But I always think like, I feel like in our culture, not often, or maybe it's just the people I choose to surround myself with, <laughs> not often do you feel like you get negative feedback on a personal social level that I just, I think there's something so intriguing about it because unless there is an opportunity for someone to tell you what they think or for you to get some critical feedback on something that you can improve on, I feel like you don't get it without that kind of 
opportunity when you say at the um what you say personal social level do you mean as in that's the content of the feedback or that's like the mode as in like it's not a formal exam mark it's just in your relationship yeah yeah I feel like I often think about feedback more as a personal social kind of relationship content but then I also think and maybe because I used to be a teacher I love the kind of feedback you get back from an essay because I'm like that's all the hard work like it's easy to tick tick cross cross 17 out of 20 that I'm like oh my gosh somebody has sat down and written these comments I'm like I will read them fully (laughs) and I think that's the stuff that helps you then improve on the next one that I used to say to the kids I was teaching like I'm not going to give you the marks first I'm just going to give you the feedback because everyone will just read the marks first and then you'll disregard the feedback that I put lots of effort into (laughs) and so I get the I know (laughs) (laughs) I had lots of not so good moments don't worry (laughs) I um, uh, would get them to read the feedback first and then I'd give them the grades and they're like, oh, okay. Because I feel like the words are the things that you can learn and improve on. Well, I feel like that really um, shows an attitude or, or a framework that says the goal is growth, mm. not just like nailing it. Mm. And that feels like takes a bit of maturity to um, <laughs> Why, hold thank on you. to that. I mean, you were doling it so out. So much positive feedback. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I was reading an article the other day that was saying that um, as one of the kind of influences of postmodernism is that there's been this like grade creep that people more and more get A's and universities Whoa, give so honorary doctorates. And mm. um, yeah, there's just a sense that the standard is higher and people care about education more, but also it's not okay just to be average. Like you have to be better than average. And so it actually means that Mark's mean less and maybe it does mean that the words totally at at the schools that I worked at C meant that you're achieving the outcomes and every year that I would give C's out parents would complain be like why is my kid not an A or a B student and I was like they're doing excellently at doing the outcomes they're just not going above and beyond the outcomes but Mm. that is the assumption the Mm. above and beyond the outcome which Mm. I thought weird I was talking to a friend at work this week shout out to Kit and (laughs) we were having a conversation about um, just how we experience failure, particularly, uh, sort of not really her and I, but just generally in our kind of community culture. Anyway, she said this interesting thing, um, that she'd heard from someone else about, um, adjusting your sort of mental framework to say that failure is what's normal rather than success. And particularly drawing that from, um, elite athletes and thinking about, you know, if you're like a tennis player, so many elite tennis players out there in the world, not many of them win the grand slams. Like it's rare to succeed if that's kind of like that, that goal, that ultimate Mm. win. And if you have a different framework, instead of just only accepting yourself or the situation, if you succeed or win or come out on top, just how like crushing that is and um, how impossible it is to kind Mm. of face challenges Mm. because that is not normal, but instead being content or realistic about like most of the time I will not win. That enables me to kind of strive for it and not be like, failure is a setback which is interesting like that's not even at the level of achieving the outcomes all the time Mm. it's just kind of like I've just got to kind of keep working on things and I guess it's like a bit more humble a bit more realistic it's not contingent like Mm. your sense of conviction or commitment to your purpose or self-worth on only winning Mm. all the time 
So then, um, I mean, exams, I guess, part of not wanting that feedback sometimes or really craving it is um, the uncertainty of not knowing how your performance has gone and maybe the risk of failure. How do you think you have been able to cope with negative feedback or things that have been harder to hear? I mean, exams is feels like a, a niche part of feedback, partly because often practical realities can feel very contingent upon mm. it. Like you have to finish your degree if you're a uni student or your tertiary education student or something in order to apply for your jobs or whatever so the stakes feel high in that way but there's also a difference between being desperate for like an hd to being like i passed this subject i will progress um but i mean i don't know i was talking about this a bit earlier i think exams are quite arbitrary anyway <laughs> i just think whatever People which i'm like them. no there's a rubric there's like outcomes <laughs> like it's a fair assessment <laughs> Well, do you know, interestingly, I got um, feedback back from an essay recently and the mark I got, I was really happy with, but the feedback I found really hard to take. Like it was quite um, pointed out all the issues in a very real way and I was more affected by it than I thought I would be, even despite being happy with the mark, but feeling like Mm. having that here's every problem and here's how you've um. missed, missed the point. And I was like, oh, maybe I do actually have more values tied up with exams and marks than I originally thought. But how much more helpful is that, knowing the things that you didn't get right or there was holes in your thinking than just knowing a mark that nobody will care about after? Well, and interesting to me as well is that it's exposed something mm. in who I am as well, I think, mm. my self-concept that um, – yeah, I guess you wouldn't get if you just always got positive feedback all the time. Mm-hmm. I learned from somewhere um, sometime <laughs> that um, the way the human brain works is, you know, it's wired to like look for threats. That's like a survival kind of mechanism. And so negative information, negative feedback, potential like trouble or whatever, our brain just really latches onto that mm. and positive feedback, good information. Um, it's nine experience. to one, the ratio, our brains, oh. unless the ratio is nine positive to one negative, our brain goes, zooms into the one. Oh, that's what you've got to get to, the, to feel yeah. the weight of the... You've got to have I thought it was just work. a sandwich, good, bad, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, no. But now they've... Re- well, maybe it's just our generation. The more research they've done, they're like, oh, actually our brains focuses on the negative unless there's nine things to equal it out. That's wild. Yeah. That feels like a fairly unbalanced <laughs> scale. I'm, and also feels like not very realistic. Like sometimes you're just not very good at something. Um, and so the question is, well, how do you get by if that's true? I feel like as a Christian, I can't, um, you know, obviously cannot come at any framework that says if you're not very good at maths, therefore you, you suck as a person, you know, you're not worthwhile. But I feel like that's, you know, there's so much self-worth that gets tied up in achievement. And you're like, well, just not everyone's equally good at maths. If I had to sit mm. a maths exam today, it would go really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but obviously I don't really care about maths. So it's, it's not a very potent example in a way as well. There's other things that are much closer to us that the feedback feels heightened in its weight, I guess. Mm. I think like the concept of thinking about church like as you just talked about a math exam I my first thought was I wonder if we all did it together would we do better and I just think did the exam together yeah like cheated <laughs> well that's not real a real exam but that feels like more real life like te- like working together to get to an outcome that I'm like oh I feel like sometimes people are strong and weak at different points but when we work together that kind of 
helps us at the things that we're weak on. But I think what you're talking about self-worth stuff, I definitely think my self-worth has been really grounded as a Christian of like Jesus died for you and that is something that can't be changed. And so that is your self-worth and that's where you kind of get your value and identity and worth from. And I feel like that is very grounding because then whatever you get on the exam, nothing can change that. Or if people like you or don't like you, nothing can change what Jesus did for you in the past that I feel like that helps with the kind of self-worth stuff. But then I think emotionally, I think it's okay to still like feel sad at negative feedback, feel happy. Like that's just normal human response to. Yeah, I do think it's normal. I mean, certainly that's true for me, Mm. but I do have a, a sort of a question or a longing or something to not, not just be stoic and be like, it doesn't matter. I'm totally unaffected. But I guess to be able to keep holding perspective all the time. Mm. And so to say, someone thinks that thing I did is really rubbish, but okay, I can handle that. I can handle mm. that. That's like not going to totally destabilize me. Pers- like, you know, partly because they're allowed to have a different take on it to me or maybe they've got a better insight into that and it's true and I could only like grow if I take that on board mm. or maybe I will just never be good at it. But yeah, the self-worth's like not taken away. And I think the kind of idea that you have to admit that you have failed before God as a Christian kind of like – yeah. I don't know, frees you up to admit that failure is not like a totally absent concept from my life. Like Uh I think if you just think my whole aim is to be the elite athlete, the super successful person and failure just is not an option, Mm. then I feel like that that would be hard. Mm. (laughs) But I feel like every Christian I know has had to at some point (laughs) acknowledge their failure before God, which I don't know, brings a bit of humility maybe for them of just like, yes, failure is a bit more accepted. Mm. Do you feel like that? Yeah, I, I just listening to you made me think about how much I value when I have moments in community with other people mm. who have that same framework as well. To go, we can't just like, um, you know, give abstract assent to the fact that we're like, yes, I know that I failed before God. I know that I have all these flaws within me, all these standards that I don't meet of proper goodness and love and things that are you know really great um and it's one thing to sort of just be like yeah yeah I know that's true but then to sort of feel like you've got to put on a perfect face in front of other people or mm. that's it and like I really appreciate when I'm in community where like mm. we can be honest about that and it's mm. not that we're like it doesn't matter it's like totally fine but to say you are valued anyway um you loved anyway we're all in the same boat we all depend on the fact that God is just gracious to us mm. And his love for us doesn't matter on our performance. Mm. And so we can treat each other that way as well. Mm. Yeah. Just as we wrap up, I um, also really liked what you said, Laura, about that growth and seeing feedback as opportunities to like keep moving forward in a trajectory. And I think that as a Christian person, um, knowing that uh, Jesus gives us like real power to be transformed, but also that we have a like certain future that we're working toward where we know we won't um, kind of keep struggling and keep getting the same negative feedback about things, but we'll be transformed into kind of the fullness of um, who God's made us to be in relationship with one another is a really beautiful picture to ground, ground that perspective. Mm. Yeah. 
I feel like you do see that in community as well because I find that harder to identify in myself. Like I'm becoming more like the God that I want to follow. But then people in my community, when they point that out to you, that is helpful. It's like they get that nine to one thing. <laughs> Let me help you. gentle. <laughs> you guys have done amazing tonight. <laughs> um, to finish us up, we just have a kind of connected question about um, what piece of clothing do you just love or are known for or get lots of compliments from and why like what's special about that to you two things jump immediately to mind firstly this kind of a lecturer at um, my university um i was wearing a pink jumper the other day and he walked past and he said um a classic alice pink (laughs) oh i know i was like well maybe there you go i'm known for wearing a pink jumper I think I know that pink jumper. It's yeah, a nice jumper. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's classic. <laughs> That's so actually. interesting because I was also going to say my pink jumper. Really? Anyway, oh, we'll I knew we were friends for a reason. <laughs> I would never wear a pink jumper. <laughs> <laughs> That's fashion. <laughs> um, but the other thing is, I have a shirt that I wanted for so long, and I kept dropping hints to people. And you know, anyway, I just ended up buying the shirt for myself. It's got like um, kookaburras and Australian kind of wattle on it. And I've been stopped in the shopping centre before where people have been like, wow, I love your shirt. I just feel like it really draws attention (laughs) when I wear it. So that's the other thing I thought about. I was going to say my pink jumper because I bought a set of three. Like we talked about before the pod, I love a neutral, always Mm -hmm. wear a neutral. (laughs) And I bought a set of three jumpers, grey, lovely, oatmeal, lovely. So on brand. Pink. But I was like, well, it's part of the set, you know, I'll throw it in there occasionally. Anyway, I gave my mum, this is such a little insight, the grey and oatmeal jumpers to wash for me because they'd had lots of wear. And sometimes she just has better wool wash and does a good job. <laughs> anyway, she shrunk both Ooh. of them. And so now I'm only left with the pink jumper. And so wear it a bit more regularly. And so many people are like, whoa, pink jumper. Like, And I think it's... <laughs> In a compliment way, but I definitely think it's like out of character for me, the opposite to you. The people like, oh, I did not expect you to wear a pink jumper. And so we'll comment on it based on that. Or pink is just so bright that people like, whoa, (laughs) I don't know. When I think of an item of clothing that I've been known for, I really can't think of much except (laughs) this is a bit daggy. Um, I've got a hardcore commitment to wearing a rashy when I swim. Oh, That's awesome. So I feel like um, not the trendiest item. Is it pink? It is definitely not pink. (laughs) No, I know it. But everyone will be like, yeah, yeah, Laura will always have a rashi on. (laughs) But when you said about getting stopped in the shops, what I think of is whenever I wear like a sort of strong green because I have Mm. red hair, I get old ladies commenting all the time being like, that is the right colour for you. You've got to do – I once had this lady come up and talk to me for like 10 minutes about how – her late husband had had red hair and she was like, I Aww. always bought him clothes that color. You've just made me think of him today. And I was like, this is really strange, <laughs> <laughs> but gets people going. So yeah, there you go. I hope you enjoyed listening to us today. If you are a regular looker, thanks for sticking in with us. It's great to have you back in our ears, your ears. It's great to be back in your ears. Um, please subscribe to the show so that you know that whenever new episodes are going to drop, they'll be more regular going throughout this year. Uh, if you have feedback or something you want us to know, you can always send us an email at alookin.pod at gmail.com. But we have also launched 
and Instagram. What's the Instagram called, Laura? A dot look dot in dot pod. Yeah, follow yeah. us. Um, we've got not much content on there yet. Almost nothing. <laughs> it's more content is coming and it's going to be a cool place for us to really engage with our lookers. So cool. <laughs> so we just want to hear what you want us to talk about, what you think about what we talk about, whatever you want to comment on. We're just keen. So follow the Instagram and thanks for listening. Can't wait till next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.